This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Non and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are Kevin, Natalie and Liam to talk about a 3-1 defeat at Southampton in the Premier League. Burnley continued to stink the place out a little bit away from home in the Premier League. Not a good performance at all. A lot of efforts on the Burnley goal and without Tom Heaton's excellence it probably could have been an awful lot worse. Um, Natalie, away from home Burnley just don't seem to be competitive yet. No, not at all. We've had three games away from home, three heavy defeats and three really quite poor performances as well. Sunday's um, Sunday's game was really disappointing. I felt from the kickoff that they were very out of sorts and they looked like they were desperate straight away. They they looked like there was such a massive golfing class between the two sides. Um, It almost reminded me of, and this is incredibly harsh, so I hope I don't set this podcast on on a terrible tone, but it almost looked like a third round FA Cup tie between a Premier League side and a non-league side. The players seemed like they were lacking in composure, they were running all over the place, they were just chasing shadows and some of the defending and some of the potential, well, the, the trying to intercept the, the ball in midfield was, it was almost desperate at times. So I was really disappointed with the performance. I think normally it might be a little bit harsh, but it's a, yeah, it didn't feel like we belonged in the same in the same league really. Um, Liam, you went down to St Mary's, a, a long, long trip to watch, um, a very disappointing performance from Burnley. Uh, yes, I did, um, because I am, in fact, mentally insane. It's long journey, and I'm, at least he scored, which is the only positive I could take, as well as Heaton. Um, very, there was just a pathetic performance for me, honestly, because, of course, compared to Leicester and Chelsea, look the same thing, but we had some kind of fight with us for Leicester. In this game, for Southampton, which we could easily get something against them, we could easily attack them. We just really had nothing against them, especially on the wings, which I thought was like the main weakness. We just didn't attack them at all, and we was proper, just put up the game straight away, and just very sad to see. It's a good point about the wings, especially after um, Matt Target went off injured, didn't he, and Sam McQueen came on for his Premier League debut. I felt that was going to be a real weakness. Plus, they had um, the first-choice right-back was also injured, so they were playing in reserve on that side, and we just didn't really exploit those 
those problems in the Southampton team at all. Um, Kevin, I suppose you can say that all three away games have been at good teams, defending champions, Chelsea, possible title contenders this year. Southampton finished sixth last year, so the fixture list hasn't been particularly kind, but it kind of looks to me like we're playing for nil-nils away from home, and it's just not going to work. No, I think... Each of those games, we, we've set up to frustrate in the same the same way, but, but worked very um, successfully against the, the likes of Arsenal and, and Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea, are, uh, a, a top class. Leicester, um, you know, they were, they were champions last season, but it's it's not been a it's not been a magnificent title defence so far. Um, and Southampton have had. They've, they've been very good defensively in the last few games, but overall they've, have, they've not been massively impressive. They're probably further down the table than they'd like to be. So it, it's disappointing. I think something's got to change. I think with the way we're setting up away from home, for me, it's it's not. we've not really even come close to challenging in, in either of the games. And probably in, in each of the games, um, the, the three, just conceding those three goals has been quite a, a positive for us. <laughs> At least it was only 3-1, eh? <laughs> yeah, like... I do think that the the quality of the teams we've played has been a big factor. I'd be a lot more concerned if we'd lost 3-0 at Hull, 3-0 at Middlesbrough, 3-0 at Stoke. Um, but, yeah, I agree that the setup of the team just doesn't look right to me. Everyone seemed quite hesitant at Southampton. I felt um, Jeff Hendrick, when we've played the 4-5-1 at home, he's been very positive on the ball, tried to get forward. Every time he got the ball against Southampton, he seemed to want to go backwards to play a safe pass. He just didn't seem quite right for me. The wingers offered virtually nothing, created almost nothing all game. And Southampton looked like they were going to score every time they came forward, really. Um, Natalie Shodash felt that there was one turning point in the first half, though. Um, Goodmanson went down in the box, a sort of combination of, of two Southampton players bundling into him. Um, could it have been different if we'd been given a penalty for that? Um, no, I don't think it will have been. Um, I understand the frustration with not being awarded that penalty. Um, I'm very hesitant about letting us drift into that martyrdom and woe is us and little old Burnley were on the wrong side of the bad decisions and referees are going yeah, to get us relegated. There's people already saying that if Burnley get relegated, it'll be referees' fault. It's like, there's, there's been what? eight games or something like can we not get our excuses in that early it's quite a lot of points still to play for exactly and i think it feels it feels difficult because we've come off the back of the arsenal result whereas obviously we feel still feel a little bit cheated from the arsenal winner um last week uh sorry before the international break and then obviously this week as well there's been um a penalty turned down yes i believe it was a penalty i think out of the three penalties that were there it was the most convincing one which i'm sure we'll go on to in a moment Let's be under no illusion here. Southampton were never going to take their foot off the gas. They were going to carry on trying to get an equaliser. And if anything, they were going to pound the goal even more than they already did. So the result is not going to be any different. Southampton were just way better than we were. They were a classy side than we were. As you said in the opening stages of this podcast, we went there to try and get a nil-nil draw. And if we'd have gone one-nil up, we'd have just defended that one-nil. We'd have tried to class bond you know just do anything we could to keep hold of it and it just wouldn't have worked so whilst it's annoying that the penalty wasn't given it would have no way of changed the outcome for me i suppose the argument is that if we take the lead 
Um, last season in the Championship, we did see a lot of games out with defended leads. Okay, in a couple of games this season, although we conceded a late equaliser against Hull. So I think the complexion of the game might have been a bit different, but you're absolutely right. Southampton created so many chances, they, they would have turned it around, I think, at some point. Um, Liam, another potential turning point late in the first half, the injury to Stephen Defoe. Um, he, he didn't seem to have had a particularly good game um, for me, but Burnley's midfield didn't really function in the second half after he'd gone off, and it, it's just a sign of what few options we've got that Aidan O'Neill had to come on. Well, to be quite honest with you, I don't think any single player in the entire squad did have a good game other than Tom Heaton. Um, the main issue I have with Burnley this season is the fact that we just have no urgency whatsoever. And the same problem last year and this year is even worse, especially with him all that. We have no urgency on the ball. We had to pass it on the back. And when we can't possibly you know, make a counter-attack, we don't have the players to do so because, let's be real, we don't have any pace. The only kind of pace that we do have is Andre Gray, which... Fortunately, he's going to be back in about two days' time, for two games' time. But Stephen Defoe, I didn't really notice he was even there. Um, if we did have him for later on in the game, we, I don't think he really would have made a difference because he was just playing defend, just defensive. And against a team like Southampton, they're in the upper league. I swear they have not lost, well, now seven games now, but back then, six games unbeaten. This was not going to work. And it's just, it's just annoying to see that... We are so different away from home than we are from home. So the urgency, it has to pick up, but I don't think it will this season, sadly. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because the lack of pace is an obvious problem, but we've seen the four-five-one work reasonably well at home. So I think some fans were, were wondering if Gray would get back in, but the, the lack of pace is just chronic. And when you've got a player as, as speedy as Gray, I think he probably has to come in, even if it does mean going back to to four-four-two. Um Kevin, with the four going off, it, it seemed to me like the, the structure in the midfield kind of broke down a bit. I'm not going to be critical of Aidan O'Neill because he's a young lad and it's a big-ass plate in the Premier League, but the golfing class between the two players is absolutely huge. Um, not that Defoe would have probably made a difference in the, the two goals that we conceded from set pieces that were, again, pretty amateurish, shocking stuff. Um, yeah, I mean... I mean... To be fair, I think anyone who's going to come on for 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 Stephen Defoe, the, the the golfing class is going to be huge. Um, he he's by far our 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 strongest player in the squad. Um, maybe you know taking away the likes of, of the likes of Michael Keane, but certainly in that midfield unit, there's nobody that comes close to him. And we've seen time and time again, every time he's he's left the game this season, we've looked uh, we've looked an inferior team without him in the without him in in the game. Um so when you've got him missing for, for the majority of the match, that's gonna be a big problem. Um I think it's also it's it's a big sign of confidence in, in O'Neill that Dice brought him on with uh such a, a long time to play in the game, with the game still in the balance at that point and against a team who we were probably going to struggle struggle against. Um, you know, he's brought um, Arfield on in, in, in the centre quite a few times this season for, for Defoe. So I thought that was probably the obvious change. Um, so I think it's good to see Dice bring, in, uh, bring him in so early, you know, in such a, probably an important, an important stage in an important game. Um, particularly has, you know, I think a few fans have been disappointed that when, one of his things was, you know, he'd been involved with youth setup at Watford. He was apparently going to be quite good at bringing youth players through, and that just hasn't happened at all. 
which I know some fans have been quite disappointed at, and we've talked about it on a couple of occasions. So it's I think it's it's great to see O'Neill getting getting more game time and. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think whatever Sean Dyche had done at that point, whether he'd changed the shape, whether he'd brought our field on instead, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game. Um, so actually, I'm 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 very pleased to see O'Neill come in and get some more experience at this level because if if he's going to get experience at this level, that was a great game for it to happen. I think because it really it's a real big welcome to the Premier League. And if you look at some of the games he's played, he's played in Chelsea, he's played at this. They're big, high pressure games. Really showing the you know the, the the real class we're going to come up against, so that can only be good for his development. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's important that the game was was alive when he came on, um, especially at Chelsea. A lot of people were impressed with the the time he had on the ball, but Chelsea were just letting us play at that point because they'd already won the game. So I don't think we could have learned that much from him. Um, Natalie, we need to talk about defending set pieces because. Again, it's a massive problem for Burnley. It's three of the last four goals we've conceded from corners now. The Arsenal goal, okay, probably shouldn't have been allowed, but again, we didn't defend that set piece well. Appallingly defended two set piece against Southampton that have left us two 0 down, and it just feels at the moment like every set piece is causing real chaos in the Burnley defence, and that was the case two years ago in the Premier League. So. It makes you wonder if they're, if they're practising defending. Yeah, it certainly does. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is exactly the same problem we had two years ago. We, I think if you remember, we had a ridiculous scenario in the early stages of the season where it just felt like every corner that we conceded um, was a goal against us. So it's not. I, I do think we have made some improvements uh, than two years ago, but not enough. We are incredibly vulnerable to set pieces in this league, particularly away from home. Now, that's quite unusual for our side because defence has been a very strong point of ours for the past couple of years since we, since we were relegated. Now, it may very well be as simple as the standard in the Premier League technically is way stronger than it is in the Championship. And these are often world-class players who can just see opportunities that Championship players can't. They work very hard on the training pitch and they can deliver balls into the box. They can bend balls around walls they can create little bits of talent that is is world class um so it may just be as simple as that in the the standard of, of forwards that we're facing or midfielders and the, the attacking play that they create is just very very good and we aren't yet anywhere near that stage where we can defend it so i'm not going to give them too hard a time because you're not going to come into the Premier League, especially as a new side and a new squad that's building and learning how to play in the Premier League. You're not going to be able to come in and create um, a side that's a top six side straight away. It takes a hell of a lot of money to do that. And even if you throw money at it, you're not always guaranteed to get a, a squad together that's got that same talent and gels together. Um now, saying that, it is clearly a problem and our Premier League survival is going to depend on our ability to handle those set pieces better. I, I believe, you know, he must be he must be looking at these for all his positivity and his mind games that he's playing with the press and, and you know his his crusade to try and keep um, a positive outlook on the club. He will know will die behind the scenes what's going wrong and and hopefully they will still. Um, work on that in training because they do need to. I think though, to to play to look at it from another from the other side, it's 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 probably the easiest part of the game, which for us to to for us to fix. If we were getting um, yeah, I agree. You'd normally we were... say that the smaller clubs 
that's where they get their advantage, isn't it, from set pieces? It's something yeah, you know, you if can, you can if get all one up goal, on the big boys. If all our goals were being conceded because we were being, you know, um, torn to shreds through the middle, um, you know, ripped apart on the wings, um, that would be that's more difficult to to solve. But when it comes to set pieces, that's where you can get on the training ground. You can look at how the set pieces work. That's when we can really structure ourselves and organise ourselves. You know, okay, yeah, it's definitely not easy. Natalie's just talked about some of the the, the real quality that, that that players have at this level, where they can make set pieces count even more. But it's probably the easiest part of part of the game for us to look at and, and work on. Um, and Sean Dyche seems to be quite an organised. I think when he, when he first came in, he really got us up very organised, and and we're, we're a very structured team. So. I'm sure that's that's something they, they they must be working on. Yeah, I think it's it's worth pointing out though. It's it's not just this season that set pieces have been been a problem for Burnley. Last year, although we were very solid defensively, we conceded some really poor goals from set pieces. Two years ago in the Premier League, it did. It felt like every game set pieces were costing us. So it's not something that's just happened in the last two weeks. This isn't a knee jerk thing for us to be going. Oh, set pieces. We're rubbish at set pieces. It's been the case for ages, so something obviously has to be done. Um, but I think I think Dash said in his post-match interview on Sky, didn't he? It's not as easy as just saying we're going to be better at that. Like there's no magic wand that you can't can just wave to to make these things happen. Um, Liam, we've we've talked about the mentality of Burnley and that there's been no urgency and there's no pace, but. What would you be looking for us to change to to make a, a tangible difference in in our our approach away from home? Is it formation? Is it tactics? Is it just that the players aren't right? Well, that's quite a hard question to answer because with the Premier League, I think the best way to go through is to try just to try and look around you and see what's working for, for everyone else. And the thing is, with our we, we you know from early on we were saying about talking about set pieces and all our problems from it. We cons- we had thirty four attempts on us yesterday, which for any club, that's most that's most any Premier League side has faced this season, and only we can do that. At 34 attempts, that is open play, most of them. So it's just a clear defensive issue by setting back, by letting them come on us, and teams of those quality, they will let you go. Um, what to change for this season? I seriously, we need to. I, it's such a hard thing. To, I I generally do not have an answer for it. I don't know from what I've seen so far this season. At home, we're a different animal. I can see us making you know, nice little passing movements down the wings, nice little boxes in. But, oh my God. <laughs> nah, but it's just, I really just don't know what we can possibly change. At home, we're different, nice little set pieces. But I seriously just don't know what we can change this it, season. I think it's quite difficult as well in that we are, we're kind of restricted to the ability of the players that he's working with. We certainly can't do anything about the squad until January. And when you've got, and I don't like to single out individual players, but when you've got, um, let's say, George Boyd's just not creating anything at the moment. Good Munson had a really quiet game and he created nothing. Obviously, we've lost a four now to injury as well. So I agree with what Dyke his frustrations when he says it's not just, you know, a case of clicking your fingers and it'll all be sorted. He's also massively restricted by the ability of his players and he can only do so much with that squad. It's true, but it's the squad he's assembled, so I've only got so much sympathy for him there. And it struck me this weekend, um, people are going to laugh at me for this because I've 
talk about Julian Stanislaus so much, but it was quite telling for me that he's been given freedom to go and play an attack at Bournemouth and they battered Hull. He scored two, made another. And we were watching George Boyd charge around fruitlessly. Good Munson do nothing useful. <laughs> this is a guy that would like go on a free transfer a couple of years ago. So I think it's it's part of the system for creativity and as you say, partly his personnel. Maybe if we'd been able to get Grzycki in, that would have been a difference. Who knows? But yeah, we stuck with what we've got now. Um, in terms of personnel, one one potential change that I think some people are starting to talk about now is Tarkovsky into the defence. Um I think a lot of people are starting to wonder if Ben Mee's just not quite good enough as a Premier League centre-back. Michael Keane's obviously had a lot of plaudits, but we are conceding a lot of goals, so is it controversial to suggest making a change in there? Kevin, there's also Matt Lawson seems to be struggling a bit at right-back, is it? Is there anything that can be done in terms of personnel, or is it just this is the 11 we've got and we've just got to stick with it and hope they get better? I think it's a difficult one, really, because I think, like Liam just said, we had, we faced 34 shots um, uh, of a weekend and, and only had six ourselves. That, to me, indicates the problem isn't isn't the defence; it's it's what's ahead of them. Where the, the midfield is struggling to struggling to, to protect the, the defence. Um, that said, Matt Lawson has he's had a few a few decent performances. I think he's he's probably shot out. More than anyone at the back, as looking a little bit out of his depth at sometimes. Um, I do wonder if if Flanagan is ready to come in at some point. Although you know, he was pretty disastrous at Accrington, um, that's not yeah, so as everybody really. Um, and that so, was two I, months ago, so well. it was yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see if he surely he's got to come in at some point. You know. Ever, Surely Liverpool have lent us him so that we can give him some um, getting back up to up to match, match fitness, having having uh, pretty much a year out of the game. Uh, and you know he's he's a very good player. He's not going to be wanting to sit uh, sit on the bench all season. And it's not like further up the field where you know he can bring Bamford on for his his three minutes um, every four games. Um, it, Flanagan's he's either going to come into the team from the start at some point this season, or he's not going to make an appearance all all year. Um, that's what I'd be looking to happen at some point soon, um, and I'd hope it's just it's Dyche is is going to be bringing him in at some point. I've, you know, I've, I've, fair play to Dyche. You know, he 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 keeps confidence in players, and he likes to keep his um, that consistency throughout. But at some point, something's got to give, and we know that he's he has changed things uh, when things haven't been working, particularly on the turn of the year last year when he brought in. Um, you know, changed a few things at the back, uh, brought me inside, but Warden, etc. So he's willing to make that change when it's needed, and I hope that that point comes soon. But that's providing that Flanagan is up to it as well. Perhaps you know we don't know that Flanagan could be really struggling with his fitness, with his match fitness. We don't know what's what's going on with there. But looking from from the outside, with the assumption that Flanagan um, is is ready to come in, that's something I'd be looking for. I know Paul Paul Weller as as well as uh, on Facebook suggested that we could. Um, but just bring Tarkovsky in alongside um, me and Keane and play, play, play three at the back with, with wing-backs, which I've, I've, would be an interesting thing to have a look at, although I think Sean Dyche playing three different formations in one season would be... Um, that, that'd just I think be too two's, much for him. two's been pushing it, I think three would be... Uh... <laughs> yeah. 
a bit insane. Yeah. Um, Natalie, in terms of, of personnel, is there anything else that can be done? Ashley Barnes is coming back to to fitness, I suppose, so he's going to be another option in attack sooner rather than later. Hopefully, he's been out for a long time. I'm not overly happy with the idea that we change personnel here. Now, there's a reason for this. I'm. I don't share the belief that Ben Mee needs to be dropped from the squad. I think he's. I think he's fine, and I think he works very well um, alongside Michael Keane. Um, Tarkovsky is a great talent. We know that, but he hasn't had long enough in the side to just come in and pick up to the level that that Ben Mee has, and, and to start forming that relationship with Michael Keane. I have serious concerns about Loughton in this level. I don't think he's good enough. But for me, he's only had one decent game, and um, this season, which is the Arsenal game. But turning to personnel and options generally. I just want to make a very make it a very clear distinction that we have a serious problem here with home ver- home form versus away form. Only a week ago we were on a podcast talking and absolutely so happy about the, the home form against our Arsenal side and we've also had some really strong performances of, at home. It's only been our away form those three games against three tough op- tough opposition where we've really struggled. So do we panic and start changing this side and stop the fluidity of these players who've played together inside out just for the sake of a waveform or is it something else that needs to be solved to sort out our waveform I don't think swapping around half the side and changing the formation and changing that group of players is is the solution here because our home form looks good and looks like it might be enough to keep us up yeah it's tricky I mean I don't think there's like there's no like magic formula that's going to just make everything perfect i don't think anyone's really saying like make four or five changes it's just maybe little things that we can do that would maybe make a a bit of an improvement i think liam's points about mentality and urgency they're really important that we have to be more positive and we talked about that earlier in the season for for the home games the home games where we were sitting too deep and just staying in games and then the watford one was the one where we were really on the front foot and i think that felt like it was going to be a turning point but hasn't really been the case I just think tactically we maybe need to be a bit cleverer than just playing 4-5-1 and getting men behind the board I don't think it's anything that's going to really um, get us anywhere away from home and I don't think we can be too reliant on the home form either we have played like five games at home already yeah we've won a couple but we've played some pretty bad teams at home Hull, Swansea, Watford they're three teams that are going to be around the bottom half of the table so we needed to get points from those games um, Liam on the form are you, are you concerned at all do you think we're going alright well disappointing of um, home form home form and away form it's always been an issue with form and like with our past two seasons let's take two. Let's take the 2014-15 season I'm pretty sure that we still went down but if we had I won a few more points. How many points would we offer? Like five points, six points, something off like um, getting relegated. I swear when you picked up like 12 points from the entire season, we only won three times, which is like Stoke, Hull and Villa on last day of the season. Both our last two away games we won. Our away form has always been an issue for us and it always will be in the Premier League as long as you stick yeah, to the way that we've been doing things and that's always think, staying um, back. Four victories in 40 games in the Premier League, something away from home, so... Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. It's not just this season that's been an issue. 
But we always do the same thing. We always stay back. We always just try and be... We seem to have this mentality around our club that we're all we're little Berlin. we got to try and keep back. But you still act like each and every away game is like a cup game that we're, you know, we're just trying to make more out of it, make more sense of education. We, we need to change this ideology in our, in our club that we are, you know, we are... We're still in the same league as them. We're still in the same league. We are there for a reason. We won the league last year, unbeaten 23 games. We have right to be in this league and to compete against them. And we do not compete against them. Other than a couple of five minutes, ten minute spells, that is it. And we need to sort this out. I don't know how to sort it. I don't have a winning formula for this. But we need to change the mentality with the club. That last season, same issue, away form, that let us down. I even back in 2009 season, we got quite a good, you know, quite a few good wins at home. You know, Everton, Man United, um, and it's just away from there. We only won one game in that season, which was Hull, conveniently 4-1. Don't even know how how that was even possible, but somehow we pulled it off. But it's the same issue that we've had every single time, and pr- just praying that something clicks this season. I think we had the best chance that we have this season. I worry that if we don't sit up this season, then. I just, got, I just feel like Dash probably will not stay along. That's my main worry this season. Yeah, I think with the uh, the away games as well, those wins that we're talking about from previous Premier League seasons, we won at Villa after we'd been relegated. We'd won at Hull when we were pretty much relegated. And the time before that, again, when we were pretty much relegated. So it's like when the when the pressure's off, um, that helps us out a little bit. Um, it's, we... it's, a change, it's a change in mentality. I think you're right, and the the little old Burnley thing is something that is still a bit pervasive in some areas. I think, and it is our third time in the Premier League. We need to start acting like we are a Premier League club. It, it seemed at times, like Natalie said, it seemed like a cup game. It seemed like we'd, I said on Twitter that it was like we'd won a competition, and we have. We won the Championship to get in the Premier League, but we don't seem to be have the belief that that we belong in in the Premier League alongside these these teams. Certainly not away from home. But yeah, it does seem to be different at home, which is um, a, a strange one. Coming back to the game itself, though, Natalie, penalty decisions. We already talked about the good months and one. Um, the two that were awarded by Mike Dean, though, apparently Dean's awarded more penalties than any other referee in the Premier League over the last year or so. Um, so maybe not a surprise that he was so keen to give a couple of penalties, but what was your view of, of the two that were awarded? They both seemed pretty soft. Yeah, they were both really soft. I don't think either of them deserved to be. Um, the contact for the Southampton penalty was about as minimal as you can get. I think I've, I think I've had more force sneezing on somebody than than you know that, that penalty yeah. it was ridiculous. But then it was a delayed out. reaction, wasn't it? I think oh, Munson yeah. grabbed him a little bit, and McQueen obviously felt that that was enough to go down, but just did it. Two seconds you, you get that in this league, though, don't you? Players go down, believably so soft. It, it, it's ridiculous, and it, it is it's creeping to the championship as well now. But um, players see the winning of a penalty as a legitimate tactic in trying to win games. If they get any opportunity to go down in the box, they will do. So it, it's disappointing that that Dean fell for it on on two occasions. But like I say, I think. I'm not really going to whinge as much with with penalties in that we yeah we had one that there was like I said the only one that wasn't given was the most obvious one of of all of them, but at least it's even between us and Southampton that we both got penalties that were never penalties. <laughs> Kevin, people talk about it even in itself out over the course of the season. I suppose we've got to be in for some luck towards <laughs> the end of the season now with the Arsenal goal and the the. The penalty that Southampton were given and the penalty that we weren't given in the first half, surely we're going to be due some 
some dodgy decisions at some point in the season if it does even itself out. Uh, yeah, you'd hope so. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it probably will, will. Will I think you notice decisions that go against you a lot more than you notice decisions that go for you as well. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's there have been many um, decisions. There'll be many decisions that come this season that that go our way that we don't start jumping up and, and celebrating about in the, in the same way that we'll we'll never forget that that Arsenal goal. So. It, it, it comes in different ways as well, but certainly so far um, we, we've probably been punished by by some decisions more than we've uh, more than we've benefited from them. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the into the conspiracy. Uh, that some fans are getting into. <laughs> you know, we're certainly we get, we're getting into that already. You know, we're, we're what like less than a quarter of the way into a season or whatever it is, and fans are, are talking about. There's a, there's a conspiracy, you know, against referees to, to get us back relegated, and there must be a reason why all these decisions are going against us. There's no, it's just a coincidence that we've that we've suffered from some of these, and also it's probably, you know, maybe if, maybe if we 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 got some decision of the other end of the field, we've just not got the quality to execute them, and execute what comes from them. So I think there's a bit of both, really. Yeah, I think it's a fair point remembering. Uh... The ones that went for us, the City goal that we scored last time that was massively offside that helped us get a point in that game. No one ever seems to remember that one, but that was a pretty terrible decision. Uh, moving on from the Southampton game, then we'll look ahead to Everton next. But it's over to Natalie first for this week's Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I don't like to disappoint you, Jimmy. <laughs> this week's tweet of the week is a very, very funny tweet, which made me laugh a lot. It was quite difficult to pick one She's this week. She's given this big build-up. Very funny. It's you know, actually, if you it's, too, it's, too, it's too intense. They can't take it. <laughs> I know. I'm... I'm Worrying now that I've built this up too much, but it is very funny. Um, so basically, when we were looking through social media at the end of, of the, the game, it's very hard to try and pick through the naturally very disappointed tweets from Burnley fans, some more colourful than others. But I stumbled across this tweet. Now, I'm not entirely sure that this is from a, an actual Burnley fan. It may just be a, a general tweeter, so apologies if it isn't. But this is from Michael Cox, who was watching the game on a television that had subtitles. And he tweeted... The subtitles on the TV I'm watching just identified the Burnley goalscorer as, quote, some folks, quote, a team effort, clearly. And that just made me laugh so much that clearly they couldn't quite interpret Sam Vokes, so they decided just to go with some folks instead. So, well done, Michael. That was my tweet of the week. Yeah, I, I know that that's not a Burnley fan, so just like yeah, any, no, anyone on Twitter now qualifies for... for, for I, know, Twitter, I don't think that. anybody was in that good a mood either to send that <laughs> But it was very funny. It was one of those that made me laugh a lot. So. Oh, well, at least Natalie didn't slag everyone off for sending bad tweets that she, she likes to do. No, it was, it was justified this week. You all get a week <laughs> off your homework this week, tweeters, because I just... Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, I'm with you. Excellent. Yeah. Looking ahead to Burnley's next game then, a welcome return to Turf Moor after another pretty horrible away day and a Saturday 3pm kickoff, believe it or not, which is our first in a good while ever since the visitors to Turf Moor at the weekend. Everson 
pretty good side this season. It's got to be said, they've had some very good results. They've got some extremely dangerous players. Cumin seems to have sorted them out at the back. It's it's going to be a test, isn't it, Liam? But again, it's an opportunity for us to to show that we belong at this level and at home we have been quite strong recently. I guess Everton's side that is very high on form right now, getting a point away at Manchester City. It's going to be another massive game for us. It's going to be tough to try and stop them. People, you know, Lukaku is his goal against Man City alone is terrifying as it is, and I don't know it's going to be another tough test for us. I guess I could be, I can see it being quite similar to the Arsenal game at home. You just cannot tell which team's going to show up: the away, t- the away day team or the home team, and. Oh God, I feel like we are just gonna we we do miss Gray. I just I think we do miss Gray personally with his pace, and I can see it being another long job of game, similar to the whole game. Sadly, that maybe I'm just being too negative, but after yesterday's performance and coming all the way up from Southampton, I think I have the right to be like that. Yeah, you get a free pass. I'm in a bad, I'm in a bad enough mood about Appreciate the game, it. and I didn't spend all day on a coach to go and watch it. I love it. Yeah, it's amazing as well. I know. Can I just pick up on a quick point that Liam just said there? Is this Everton game Gray's last game back? It is, yeah. This yeah. will be the fourth game, so we'll be back for Man United the following week. Excellent. Will it be, will it, will it be the long awaited return of the Andre Gray hat trick? It might be. If <gasps> oh, please. James please. actually James. manages to turn up on the podcast, maybe he'll bring it back for He's a special He's got to, we've occasion. got to make sure he's here. <laughs> Anyway, to bring it round and talk about the Everton game again, Stephen Defoe looks like he's going to be a doubt. I don't think the club's said anything, but hamstring injuries normally about a three-weeker. I'm no doctor, but hamstrings tend to be about three weeks. Um, changing formation then, maybe Natalie, do you think he's going to stick with the 4 5 There's not that many options, it's got to be said, with Grace suspend, Barnes maybe not quite back yet. There's only really Bamford to come in, but he's going to have to do something because it doesn't look like the force can be available. Yeah, it's a really tricky one, and I don't really know what he's going to do. I fully expected that we would stick with this four-five-one formation for the whole of Andre's ban, and actually have a decision to make when he came back into the side. Um, if Defoe's not going to make it, which we assume that he's not going to do, I don't think he has any choice because I don't think he has the personnel to play this for. It'd be Arfield or O'Neill. Yeah, it's it's either a straight swap. And 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 O'Neill, he looks great, you know, but he's still very raw, he's still very young and he hasn't quite got the creative um, touch that Defoe has. So he's he's more of a, I think, of a holding midfield and a creative one at the moment. So I then worry that it's just going to be too defensive and too negative in midfield. Um, for me, it feels like it's a natural time to go back to four four two with Bamford up front with Vokes. I don't know how long um, Barnes is off being fit yet, but although I've got to say, we are missing his his attitude on the pitch. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he gets in... <laughs> Very diplomatic. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really know how to phrase that then. I think he he gets in players' faces and he he niggles at them, and we don't have that. That that nasty edge, I think, is something that we've missed. Yeah, I think I think that goes back to what. I think that goes back to what Liam was saying about that um, that urgency as well, which is he's he's very he's very um... he plays at a high tempo, doesn't he? He's very yeah, absolutely. Full-on. Yeah, I think that was a good point. Um, I think Dash was talking about trying to get a development game for for Barnes this week, so he might be on the bench at the weekend, but I think it would be pushing it for for him to start. Um, I seem to say this every week, Kev, but another team that's got a lot of pace 
in attack, Lukaku is frightening in basically all aspects of his game. Balassi's got a lot of pace as well. Dale Feu, another very quick player. Um, and Nathan Redmond causes a lot of problems on Sunday, so it's going to have to be something that we find a way to deal with because at the moment, teams with real pace are cutting us open a bit too easily, I think. Yeah, and it goes back to what we've been saying all season, really, about that, that lack of pace in the side. And it's probably going to be a game where um, we, we're we not able to commit the, the full-backs forward um, as much as we as, as we often do. Um, I think the, the likes of Boyd and um, Gunmanson are, are going to have to come back um, a little bit more. And the problem with when we don't have any pace anywhere in the side and we come up against a team that does have pace is that it's, it is going to restrict the way the whole team goes forward because if we're, we're going to be not as willing to, to set the um, set the fullbacks forward, that means that the, the wing is going to have less freedom to go forward themselves, um, which is going to have a big impact on our, all, our entire overall stre- uh, the, the shape of the team, which is, is going to be problematic for us because that's... It, it, you, you don't want to with, with Sean Dash's team he doesn't seem to want to change too much about how we play but we're not that flexible to, to the opposition which um, I think particularly when we're in the championship and we're the best team in the league that's fantastic because essentially we just go out there we don't care about the opposition we, we do what we do best in the Premier League um, it's a bit more a bit more problematic and I think that's where that's where my biggest concern for the match is is, is how that the pace against the lack of pace is going to affect the whole overall team, and we've got no personnel in there to really, uh, to really counter that. Yeah, I think also um, in terms of tactics, I think it was very interesting that the weekend Kuman made a big tactical change against Man City that really turned it around, and they could have won that game. Although obviously their goalkeeper was completely heroic with two penalty saves, but he made a big change up front. Lukaku went out to play out wide and ended up scoring from that position and Koeman is someone who will tinker during the game whereas about as much tinkering as we see from Dyche is that the wingers swap after half an hour and then after an hour every time so I'd be interested to see um, what Koeman's approach is to this game because Burnley have been quite good at home we need to keep pointing this out because it's been quite gloomy podcast understandably after what was yeah, it? it's like the only positive we can really just take out of this, pretty much. Yeah, but we've been good at home. We have been good at home. So, yeah, we'll, we'll round off on um, predictions and hopefully people will remember <laughs> that we have been good at home. Liam, we'll start with you. You said you thought it was going to be similar to the whole game, but give us a score and how do you think this one's going to go? I guess Everton at home. Um, you know, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll come out all guns blazing, okay? And then just their quality is just going to shine. For Everton's defence, it is shaky. I can guarantee we will score one goal. Now, this is quite um, a big um, bet to say, but I don't think their defence is that good this season. Well, not that good, but not as good as Arsenal, to say. But I'm going to go with... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, everyone, 2 on Everton. I'm sorry. At least you guarantee that we score a goal. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, feel, I can feel it. Um off a corner, there you go. Off a corner, brilliant. We've been asked to score from a corner rather than concede from one. Um, Kevin, over to you, give us a score. Uh, I'm not going to be quite as, as pessimistic. I think, you know, we've shown we've, we can um, approach games very differently at Turf Moor. I think we've got a bit more confidence at Turf Moor. Uh, opposition 
come similarly with a, a slightly different approach at Turf Moor. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a much more competitive game than we've when we've seen uh, seen at the weekend. I, I I think we can. I think I I think we can sneak a a one 0 victory. I think we, our defence has been quite sound at home. Um, we we're not going to be high scorers. I think it's it's going to be nice to to get more from a one goal. But if we can get that, if we if we can score a goal in the first half, I'd be quite relatively confident that we will be able to we'll be able to see it out. So I'm going to be more confident and say we're going to get a one nil a one nil victory. Good stuff. What what I really want to see is um, I want to see a, a positive reaction to to Southampton, which I think was probably our worst performance of the season. And I think so. actually, I think we've we've seen to be quite good at that. I think quite often in in Sean Dyche's yeah, yeah, um, definitely time here, some of our best results have followed some of our worst worst results and worst performances. Um, um, and we know that the defeat at Hull last season was the catalyst for that fantastic unbeaten second half of the campaign. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna be brave, and I'm gonna inspire our players to be brave in their Premier League campaign as well. Oh my god! I'm going to enter the ground through Turnstile Twenty Eight, <laughs> and I am going to predict a two-nil win for Burnley. Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> I think we'll end the podcast there. <laughs> Thanks to Natalie. Kevin and Liam for joining me on the podcast this week. Um, please do get in touch if you've got any feedback, questions, comments, etc. about the podcast. Email address podcast at net. Twitter at net as well. Also, thanks to everyone who got in touch about the special podcast we did last week about LGBT issues in sport. That is still available. I think it's episode 131. So um, please do give that a listen if you haven't already. There's some really interesting stuff in there. And also we are still seeking a sponsor. So if you or your company is interested in finding out more, we'll send you over a pack if you get in touch via email or Twitter, which um, I just gave you the details for. Um, But that's it for this week. I'm Jamie Smith and we'll be back for more with hopefully a win to talk about on next week's podcast, Burnley the Everton. But that's it for now. Goodbye. And we all know that the way that that big unreaten bun, uh, that un- unreaten bun, <laughs> <laughs> un- an uneaten bun. <laughs> I'd really love this new English language you're bringing up there. This is composed by my standards. Um, <laughs> an uneaten bun. Really? What? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you're a one-man. Um, highlights feel <laughs> Kevin's editing the podcast because, because Adam's away and I'm sure he's just deliberately creating outtakes himself for the end of the podcast oh my god Kevin's been so drop he's just making a new language it's just, just brilliant <laughs> well you know it's all about the profile <laughs> bing <laughs> do, you, do you want bing, to, to bing. carry on with the point you were making yes. about the uneaten bun brilliant uh, yeah, and we know how the, the big unbeaten run last night. <laughs> so that was what you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, it makes sense now. Oh, it's too funny. And obviously that, that 23 game unbeaten streak last season. <laughs> I really wanted you to say unbeaten steak then. That would have been too good. <laughs> 
deep breaths. That's <laughs> fine. We're nearly together, done. Team. We're so close. Very close. I think Kevin's just given up. Silence. And obviously, the defeat at Hull last season was uh, the catalyst for a really strong end to the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh at least the outset's going to be strong. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing control of the podcast, so I suppose we best go to Natalie for her prediction. Um, taking their foot off the grass, if it glass. Grass, take on the foot off the That's gas. That's what I'm saying. Grass, grass. <laughs> if I'm they would have taken their foot again. off the grass, they'd have probably fallen over. Yeah, I'm going to try that again. <laughs> I'm just merging sentences together and see what I come up with. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.